This is Jerry McGee of Biting Life Ministries, Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. So you have obstacles. I've had lots of them. And, um, you know, we have a physical land. You know, the children of Israel had a physical land to possess, but we have a spiritual land to possess. And the land we have to possess is what we didn't possess in childhood. And so I just say welcome and thank you for listening in. Hope you will Get other people to listen in on the first and the third uh, Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And um, tonight uh, I have a message that I believe uh, is absolutely key in healing marriages. And it's called Bitter Root Judgments and Expectations. You know, Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not, let, let me pray first. Lord, I just come before your throne And thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven, that you watch over your word to perform it. Lord, thank you that the leaf withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so, Father, I pray tonight that your word will go forth like a fire and like a hammer that breaks rock. I pray, Lord, that you make my words like goads, like well-driven nails given by you, Lord, the shepherd. I pray for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll use this message to give people keys to healing their marriage and healing their relationships. And, Father, I praise you and bless you. I ask you to cover every person who hears this message with the blood of Jesus. Bind any spirits that would try to cause retaliation or hinder people from understanding, comprehending, and retaining the word of God. Lord, I pray you send forth your ministering angels into every home, every car, uh, every place where anyone who's listening in uh, is at. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a special covering of warrior angels over us to boomerang back on the enemy, every curse and assignment that's sent against us, not to kill them, hurt them, harm them, but so they'll fear God and turn away from evil. Lord, I pray for the President of the United States. I ask you, Lord, to touch his life, to refresh him, encourage him, Give him wisdom. Let him hear your voice behind him saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Move, remove every obstacle, Lord, to him doing your will. Thank you that your plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. And, Lord, we just, uh, in Jesus' name, thank you that we've been raised to sit with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places, and we bind them in the name of Jesus. On this earth, in in the heavenly places, forbid them to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth or in the heavenly places to work divination against us. In Jesus' name. You know, someone has said that when we judge another person, we're really writing a purchase order 
to have the very same thing come to us. And Matthew 7, 1 says, judge not lest you be judged. By your standard of measure, it'll be measured back to you. And um, it goes on to say, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly how to take the speck out of someone else's eye. Uh, Years ago, I was teaching a seminar and a girl came up to me for prayer and she said, I got something in my eye. And I said, have you ever uh, judged anyone? And she said, my mother-in-law. And I said, who does she remind you of? And she said, my mother. So I better to forgive her mother, broke soul ties uh, with her mother and her mother-in-law. And she said, it's gone. And the Lord taught me years ago that one of the roots to floaters in our eyes is the judgments or the logs we have in our eyes from judging other people. And God tells us to first take the log out of our own eye, then we will see clearly. Years later, in fact, just a few years ago, I was teaching at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, and I was getting ready to to go and uh, teach. And a black speck went across my eye, and it was like the Lord said, take the log out of your eye and then you'll see clearly. And I said, well, Lord, who is that? And the Lord showed me someone I judged. So I prayed, I break soul ties and the, the black speck left my eye and see, why would Jesus tell us to take the log out of our eye so we could see clearly if he didn't believe, he didn't mean that we could take the log out of our eye. And the way we do that is through repenting of whoever we judge. Uh, a bitter root judgment is a judgment that we don't take to the cross. For example, when someone hurts you or somebody wounds you and you let the sun go down on it, <clears throat> it becomes a bitter root judgment. But if you take that to the cross or take it to Jesus and forgive that person and don't let the sun go down on your anger, release that person to God, then it doesn't become a bitter root judgment. And bitterroot judgments is the driving force behind recurring problems and patterns of trouble and destruction in our lives and in the lives of others. Bitterroot judgments bring about bitter fruit. Good judgments bring about good fruit, and they bring out the best in other people, and it brings blessing. The the good blessings, the good fruit we have in our life brings about blessings not only in our life but in the lives of other people. You know, I have made a, a... a habit of blessing people wherever I go I bless people and when you bless other people it blessings come back to you and so when you judge and I judge we set in motion forces that cause us to reap in kind what we've sown um you know Jesus said you have not because you I'm sorry Jesus said he tells us to judge a tree by the kind of fruit it bears and then he tells us, in another place, he tells us to judge with righteous judgment. And then here in Matthew 7, he's saying, by your standard of measure, it's measured back to you. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between a righteous judgment and an unrighteous judgment? A righteous judgment is to see the problem because God, God has given you the ability to see. To see the problem is what you do with the what you see that that determines if it's a righteous judgment or an unrighteous judgment. If you see something and you discern it and you pray for that person and you love that person uh, and you bear with the weakness in other people, not compromising, but you, you work, you operate with mercy. uh, That's a, that's a good judgment because God certainly wants us to see things. 
But an unrighteous judgment is when we want to kick somebody to the curb and we're criticizing them, looking down our nose at them, and we don't pray for the person. Um, Let's see. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, you know, uh, Psalms 1 says that we're tree. Uh, Matthew 7 says uh, good trees produce good fruit, bad trees produce bad fruit. Another scripture says the trees of the field clap their hands. And so trees are a type and shadow of us people. And so uh, an unrighteous judgment would be when we want to cut somebody's tree down and we want to gossip about them or slander them or criticize them. You know, Bill Gothard says that a that a critical spirit is an un um, is an uh, a, a misguided gift of discernment. So you can be a mouthpiece for the Lord, or you can be a mouthpiece for the devil. James two thirteen says, "Judgment is merciless to him who shall no mercy." Bitter judgments are perhaps the most pow- a powerful negative force. Uh, in our lives, bringing about destruction not only in our lives but in the lives of others. They're the most common basic sin in all marital relationships and perhaps in other relationships in, in all of life. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, uh, but he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. The law of judgment applies not only to our conscious actions but also to our unconscious actions. Not only does it apply to our constant conscious actions, known and performed outwardly, but it it applies to what's been lodged down in our heart, what we've repressed, what we don't know, and what we have not expressed. You know, your heart's a spiritual garden, and from the time you were conceived, you received um, you received things in your spiritual garden, good things and bad things things that bring about blessings in others and, same, and things that bring about um, destruction in people's lives. But because of generational iniquities of forefathers, we're born with lots of strongholds and lots of demonic spirits that have been um, passed down through the generations because the scripture says the sins of the fathers uh, go pass on to the third and fourth generation. Um, and so because of generational things, because of things that, we have done that we've not repented of by sundown and by things and also things that have been stored down in our heart. The Bible talks about our heart being a treasure stored down in our treasure. Um, things that we've done that we've not repented of, things that have been done to us where we've not forgiven and let the sun go down on our anger. And there's lots of things down in our heart that has been, that has been stored because God doesn't deliver us in one day from everything. And I've discovered that the problem going on now is what he wants to deliver me from next. And deliverance is like peeling an onion. God tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And it's a lifelong process. And so uh, you won't be totally delivered, totally free till you get to heaven. And so once formed, judgments have to bring about um, results. Since the law of God, according to Romans 1, is, is uh, written on our hearts, it applies also when a parent doesn't train up a child in the way he should go. An example of, a, of an unconscious judgment was, you know, when I was a little girl, my mother and my grandmother didn't like each other. And I made a determination down in my heart or I made a promise to myself that when I had a daughter-in-law, we were going to have a great relationship. 
and um, and I can tell you relationships between daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws and daughters and mothers and fathers and their children. Um, the scripture says your enemies will be the enemies of your own household, and so you can try to change that. But but I believe that what God uses uh, family members for is to clean us up and to show us ourselves because. Other people mirror what God's wanting to change in us. And so um, I made a vow. And, you know, if, 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 you see, if you make a judgment and you let the sun go down on it, it becomes a bitter root. And it was an unconscious thing, but the Lord let me remember that I had made that vow. Another unconscious judgment I had was my mother, um, my mother never spanked me. She hit me once with a clothes hanger, made me furious. You know, when you just slap at a child, or you just uh, hit at them, or, and you, you know, when you're disciplining them, it just makes them mad. You need to, um, the scripture says, if you beat your child, he'll not die. The Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. And I remember you'd think it was a good thing that, uh, that I liked the fact that I wasn't disciplined, but I judged my mother for that because God tells parents that we're to train up children in the way they should go. They're to discipline us. And so, Anyway, I asked my mother years later, I must have been 60 years old, I said, Mother, why didn't you discipline me? She said, I could have killed you and it wouldn't have done any good, but it would have. And so I made a determination, I made a vow that when I have children, that they're going to be disciplined. And I did discipline my children and I have good children. And uh, my youngest son got into sexual sin, but he was an obedient uh, son and he was a sweet boy. He just got into sexual sin because that homosexual demon was running in the bloodline. And plus, you know, if a little boy, uh, it's normal for a little boy to be bonded to his mother by the time he's three, uh, uh, you know, till he's about two years old. But if he doesn't bond to his daddy by the time he's three, that can open him up to a homosexual spirit, uh, his mother's familiar spirit. And my son never bonded to his daddy. He left He left us when my little boy was um six years old and so he never bonded to his dad my oldest son did and my oldest son is probably one of the most godly men I know he's my pastor and I'm very thankful he's a joy been a joy to my life my youngest son because he lived a homosexual lifestyle he died of AIDS in 1989 but praise God he totally repented of his sin and I know he's in heaven and I know I'll see him again an example of an un- uh, example of a conscious judgment would be, you know, my daddy's a whoremonger. He's unfaithful to my mother. My mother and daddy fight all the time. They're liars. They're child molesters. They're couch potatoes. They don't protect me. Those are obvious uh, conscious judgments. But unconscious judgments are un- an unconscious vow that you make yourself, uh, which basically is a false god if you let the sun go down on something without going to god with it taking it to the cross um by sundown what happens that is that you're going to turn to something else for example if somebody hurts you and you don't forgive them by sundown you may you may make a vow that you know when i see them again i'm not going to talk to them i'm never going to share my heart with them again i'm just going to ignore them and see i just turned to three false gods when i did I said what I said in my heart. God wants us to go to the throne of grace and forgive people by sundown. If you don't forgive them by sundown, the next day it's unforgiveness, and the next day it's bitterness. And someone has said, and you've heard this before, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else 
to, to die. And so the power of bitter judgment comes from the unchangeable laws of God that cause us to reap in kind what we've sown. Once formed, judgments must bring about results. Bitter root uh, judgment, not brought to the cross, defiled and set in motion a reaping process. You know, when you judge your mother and father, God says that we're to honor our mother and father. And honor doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't mean that you have to support their drug habits. It doesn't even mean you have to live with them. But it means that you forgive them by sundown for their uh, poor stewardship of you. Of what the negative things that you see, and we don't know we don't know to do that, and because we don't do it, life doesn't go well in every area where we've judged our mother and father, and you make a judgment on your parents, and what happens is we usually make a promise to ourselves: when I get out of this house, life's going to be different. Um, uh, I'll never be like my mother and father. I'll never marry one like them. I'll never um, treat my children the way I was treated. And guess what? That judgment sets in motion forces to cause me to reap the very thing I promised I wouldn't have. And so um, the other day I was ministering to a, a, a precious lady. And this is not to criticize. I'm not criticizing at all. Uh, but just to give you insight. And she she always um, she always would get involved with people that abused her. Well, see, that went back to a mother that beat her, beat the kids and abused them, didn't want them, hated them, didn't love them, didn't nurture them. And so she constantly was connected with men and people that abused her because of the judgments that she made. See, she didn't know as a little girl that she had to forgive by sundown. And, you know, that's something that we should teach our children. When my grandchildren were little, that was something I taught them. You know, if you have an issue with your mother and father, you forgive them by sundown. And so bitter judgment's not brought to the cross that in motion a reaping process caused me to reap, in, reap exactly what I've judged. Bitter judgments um, are perhaps the most powerful negative force in our lives, bringing destruction not only to our lives but the lives of others. Bitter judgments are the, are the number one thing that destroys marriages. They affect us on our jobs because Wherever there's authority issues, um, we think, you know, if, we, if it affects us on our job, for example, I have, have had people say, well, you know, my boss doesn't appreciate me or my boss never recognizes me. And see, that tells me neither did your mother and father. Uh, and see, what happens is if your mother and father recognize you and they pay attention to you, then you don't even think about it if your boss doesn't pay attention to you because see, your foundations uh, were good because your parents trained you up in the way that you go you should go according to the word of god a bitter root judgment uh in our in the church because the pastor represents authority uh the pastors are triggering our mother and daddy pushing our mother and daddy but on, on the job our bosses are pushing our mother and daddy job uh, button in a marriage you know 99 percent of the time in a marriage you're living with your mother or father. You will either marry someone like your mother and father or you'll be like your mother and father. <clears throat> and so if you have a controlling uh, mate, healthy, that you grew up with a controlling parent. Hebrews, to see to it that no one comes short 
of the grace of God that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Defile means to contaminate. It means to sully. It means to stain with another color. For example, if you have a a basket of wet towels and you put a black sock in there, that black sock is going to fade into the white sock. And that's what happens when we defile others with our root of bitterness. And what a bitter root judgment is not. A bitter root judgment is, uh, sorry, what a bitter root judgment is, it is our own sin. It's our our sinful reactions to hurt. Um, It's our refusal, our inability to forgive someone by sundown. Bitter root judgment. And, you know, even if you didn't forgive them by sundown, you can go back and forgive them, and you can break that bitter root judgment. Bitter root judgments are operations of the unchangeable law of God, which causes us to reach behind what we've sown. They have the power to defile many, including ourselves, causing us to report them. Bitter root judgments are not. Um, the simple things that have happened to us or the hurtful things that have happened to us. To us. Bitter judgments are not the sins of other people who've wounded us or hurt us. Uh, but bitter judgments are our own sin because we've responded wrongly to hurt. And and how you respond correctly is that you forgive by sundown. What's so sad is that's not taught in the church and that's not taught uh, to children. I was probably three years old before I realized that bitter judgment. Now, bitter judgment is not powerful enough to override your will, but they certainly do defile many and defile. Bitter judgments affect us uh, in the mind with expectations. For example, you make a judgment. For example, however you're trained up, say you're trained up to be controlled. That's just a default in your life. And you have an expectation that you're going to be controlled. And that will draw you to a controller. Uh, suppose you grow up with a parent that uh, drinks all the time, alcoholic. If you deal with all the very drinks. If your mother and father were unfaithful, if you don't deal with that bitter judgment, you make a judgment on your parents, that's going to draw you to a mate that's unfaithful. And so that's how it works. A bitter expectation is a psychological practice in our nature. It is um, a habit of self-fulfilled prophecy, which push other people to do that bad thing that that bad thing that fulfills my picture of how life goes. Controlling parents, for example, I've already explained that. Say you grew up with an irresponsible dad, then. Uh, or a parent that you judge as being irresponsible, if that's not dealt with, it will draw you to an irresponsible mate. Years ago, I was teaching a seminar in Georgetown, Texas, and a lady and her husband came forward, and she really drug him forward. He didn't want to come. And so um, knowing about their judgments, I asked him, I said, what is it you can't stand about your wife? And he said, She's controlling. And I said, well, was your mother or father controlling? He went, my mother. And then I led him to forgive his mother, broke soul ties with his mother, broke the judgments he made on controlling women. You see, when you have an expectation, he grew up with a controlling mother, 
he had an expectation that all women are just like his mother. And that drew that wife to do that bad thing that fulfills um, his picture of how life goes. Now, that doesn't justify the wife's sin. But we're drawn to people. We'll marry people. We'll be drawn to people that are best able to fulfill our reaping process. Say um, you grew up with a parent that was there. Um, he was there but not there. Or say he wasn't even there. And so when you're married, you're constantly accusing that that husband or that wife of not being there for you. And see, that goes back to the judgments you made on your mother and father, that they weren't there. Or if they were there, they weren't there. And I see how this works. And, you know, what happens is we usually bang each other over the head with Scripture and uh Dealing with bitter judgments will heal a marriage. You have to realize that it's not the person you're living with as you think it is, but it's God using that beloved mate to mirror what you haven't forgiven your mother or father for. You know, years ago, my husband and I, we did not have a happy marriage. And so I was trying to get him to go to a marriage counselor, and he wouldn't do it, and that made me very angry. He said, I already know more than uh, more that things I need to do that I haven't done. And so um, and, and that upset me because I felt like a marriage counselor was the, was the answer, our marriage seminar. Not that, not that they, they're not good. Um, they give you information. You know, you learn that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And... Um, Wives are to submit to their husband as unto the Lord. But what we do is we bang each other over the head with Scripture when what heals the marriage is for each partner to go into their prayer closet and say, Lord, I don't like this about this woman. I don't like this about this man. What are you trying to teach me? Was my mother like this or my daddy like that? And then forgive your mother or father because it goes back to your childhood. And when you do that, you know, how you change others is you got to change yourself. You know, when you deal with your issues of your mother and father, and when you find out what, what about this man is bothering you or what about this woman is bothering you, when you find out about it, then you're going to change when you take it to the cross. They may or may not change, but you know you won't even care if they change or not. Because you see, God lets that beloved enemy trigger what the hurt that's down in your heart. And when you get that dealt with, it doesn't hurt anymore, so it doesn't matter to you what they do. Not that, you know, if they're doing something really bad that they need to get arrested or something like that, that's kind of different. But I'm talking about day-to-day stuff. And so um, once formed, um, I think I've already read it. I lost my place. You're going to have to just wait. Excuse me just a minute till I find out where I sometimes – I teach off of an iPad, and sometimes I'll hit the wrong button, and it'll flip it back to the beginning. So we're on expectations, I believe, the power to receive many. Let's see. Uh, you say that uh, a person is abandoned by their parents. That'll draw them to constantly be, because they let the sun go down on the abandonment, they don't know to forgive. 
will set them up for every person in their life to abandon them. And there is a spirit of abandonment working in people's lives. Say the parent is perverted. I, I know a particular girl that she grew up being molested. Her daddy molested everybody in the family. And her opinion of men was that they were all perverted. And she was married to a man that wasn't perverted. But see, that was her expectation that they were perverted. Say you grew up and you have to be the parent. People that have to be the parent have to take on responsibilities that a little child shouldn't take on. It's the whole world. You're carrying the whole world. Uh, you're a person that is uh, never rests, has a hard time resting, um, has been trained up to carry everybody. I had a uh, a lady who was a pastor called me from Oklahoma. I don't know her name, never talked to her since. But she asked me if I had any insights about uh, a p- particular pain that she was having. She said that I'm getting ready to have to have hip surgery. And I passed her a church. And I said, well, when you were growing up, did you have to carry everybody? And she said, well, how did you know? And I said, well, the Holy Spirit told me. And she said, uh, and I said, and now you're a pastor and you're carrying, you're carrying the whole church. And she said, you don't have to pray for me. I'm already healed. You see, the truth set her free. You see, she was trained up to carry everybody, carry her mother and father, her brothers and sisters. And in the spirit realm, they're still on her back. And she never was nurtured, which is a picture of God picking you up on his hip. Uh, Isaiah says God will pick you up in, I like the amplified version. God will pick you up on his hip and he'll throttle you lovingly, bounce you up and down on his maternal knees. And so that's a picture of a parent um, nurturing. I have a picture of my, I have a picture of me and my dad when I was about four years old and my dad was holding me on his hip. That's a picture. God wants to put you on his hip. And actually, if you lift your hands to heaven and say, God, would you pick me up? Actually, people feel God picking them up. And putting them on their hip. And I think, um, I um, don't know the scripture reference. It could be, well, I don't want to say it, but it's in Isaiah. Say you have a critical parent, you'll usually marry somebody that's critical, or you'll be critical. You have a selfish parent, then you grow up with, you marry someone that's narcissistic, a a self-love. And see, with these expectations, you'll also believe a lie that God's the same way. And God, because parents model for us a picture of what God's like. Uh, Another precious friend of mine that I prayed for the other day, um, she's in real estate. And she said, my customers always use me. Everybody uses me. And then they don't go through with a real estate deal. Then they dump me. Uh, They always use me. And, you know, as we began to talk and she began to share, do you know what? Her mother uses her too. You see, it's a mother issue. And it's never going to change till you go back to deal with those bitter judgments and take them to the cross. It's never too late to take them to the cross. You know, the natural laws in the physics says that for every action there must be an equal and opposite reaction. In algebra and chemistry, it's every um, equation 
must balance. There's a law of aerodynamics that when the plane leaves the law of gravity, you know, when a plane's trying to take off, the law of gravity is pulling that plane down, and it just sounds like every screw in that plane is going to fly out. And then when the plane struggles and reaches another height, then another law, the law of aerodynamics, pulls the plane upward. And so also there's, you know, the uh, we're subject to these laws whether we believe in them or not. And if you don't believe it, go jump off of a two-story building and see if you don't crash down to the bottom. Proverbs twelve fourteen says, a man will be satisfied by the fruit of his, his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. Matthew seven twelve don't be do not judge and you will not be judged. Galatians six seven is whatever a man sows this he will also reap. The fundamental laws of God are written into um, into the universe and they affect all of us as surely as the law of gravity. When we transgress the law of God, we set in motion forces that must be reaped. For example, if you plant a grain of corn, you're going to get a stalk of you're going to get a stalk of corn with bunches of ears of corn with hundreds of kernels of corn. And the law of sowing and reaping is that you you get more than you plant, later than you plant, and the same thing you plant. And Hosea uh, chapter 10 verse 12 says that we're to sow with a view to righteousness. In other words, we have a spiritual garden, and we need to sow into the, the lives of others, their spiritual garden. We need to sow with a view to righteousness. In other words, think about what you're sowing. Is it going to produce righteousness, or is it going to produce blessing, or is it going to uh, produce something else? It goes on to say, reap in a garden with, kind, a garden with kindness. Break up the fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. You know, in, in our simple response to wounding, we begin to develop patterns of behavior that cause us to reap in adulthood what we hate, what we've said and promised it was never going to happen. We'll, it'll happen for sure. We sow and reap in kind. We judge and we do the same. We honor and dishonor. And in all these areas of life, we uh, which we dishonor life will not go well for us uh, the pain we reap oftentimes seems out of proportion to the harm we cause scripture teaches the law of increase more later in the same thing and discernment of all of our problems understanding of all your problems can be found in the law of god and in the word of god when we violate the word of god we have a problem some people teach that if you just violate the law of God one time, you know, you'll have a demon problem. No, every time you uh, step out of the word of God into something else, it opens you up to demons. That's why the scripture says in James 4, 7, submit yourself as unto the Lord and resist the devil and he'll flee. Deuteronomy 5, 16 says, honor your father and mother that all will be well with you and your days be long upon the earth. At the end of this message, I'm going to ask you, where is your life not going well? And we're going to trace it back to this, uh, to dishonoring your mother and father. Uh, judging and receiving uh, judgment, Matthew 7, 12, sowing and reaping, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> and so what, uh, what we 
judge others for, we become just like them, according to Romans 2.1. And uh, then there's the principle of increase. Hosea 8, 7 says we sow to the wind and we'll reap a whirlwind. James 1, 15 says when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Um, I'm sorry, when lust is conceived, that's right, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Bad fruit comes from bad roots. Luke 6, 43-46 says, for there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor is there, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For the tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of his good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And we need to listen to the words that come out of our heart. You know, God doesn't want us to speak any word that doesn't line up with the word of God. God's word does not return void without accomplishing the matter for which he sends it. We speak negative words and we draw demons to people that we speak negative words to to, to carry out the demonic in a person's life. You know, parents destroy children by the words they speak. And what a person expresses comes from the treasure of his heart, what's in his heart. So it applies in uh, Matthew 15, it applies to what we think. We need to pay attention to our thoughts and do as the word says, take your thoughts captive. We need to pay attention to what comes out of our mouth. And we need to um, pay attention to those things. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, we need to ask the Lord, how did that get there, Lord? How did that get planted in my spiritual garden? Or how did that get planted in my treasure uh, storehouse? How did that get planted? And then take it to the cross. And if you, um, if you get your heart pure, your words will be pure. If you get your heart pure, your thoughts will be pure. And for us to get deliverance, uh, we just have to repent. We must dig deep into our, into, and lay foundations upon Jesus the rock. Jesus said in Luke 6, 6, I'm sorry, 647, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what kind of man he is. He's a man who built his house, who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock, and when the flood came, the torrent burst against that house, and it did not shake it, but it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against that house, and immediately it, it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So sowing and reaping for bitter roots and, and expectations are the most Often They most often happen in relationship to parents and children and spouses, but they also can apply in other relationships. Because we've all made judgments we are due to reap, we draw to ourselves and, and others are drawn to us, people who are best able to fulfill our reaping process. And, you know, many people, when they get married, 
they think, oh, my goodness, I made a mistake. But God didn't, uh, he didn't design marriage for us to be happy or for us to be comfortable. He designed that blooded image, that blooded enemy to, to grind us, trigger what's been stored down in our hearts, in our treasure house. And as we take our judgments and sins to the cross, we can enter into a blessed relationship with other people, with our mates, in our marriages, uh, at work. You know, if a person knows the size and weight of a ball, and with what speed, what hurling power he has, he can determine with what momentum that that ball will come back to him. You just picture a man throwing a ball against a wall. That wall, that ball is going to come back. And so picture mankind's sins like a man who throws his ball against a ball against the wall. At some point, it's going to return to him. Uh, God says, "Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For what a man sows, he'll also reap." And also, you sow to the wind, and you reap uh, a whirlwind. And the longer it goes unrepented of, the bigger it gets, uh, and it can get to overwhelming proportions. By the time it returns to us, it's grown uh, uh, to something that is overwhelming. And when two people, I wish I had my overhead, and you could see an overhead, but this picture, say two people get married, Bill and Sue, and um, on my overhead, I have a, an out, a drawing of a man's out, uh, outward and a woman. And when they get married, they both have generational curses coming down on both sides. They both have things they've, they've um, judged their parents for that's causing them to read back. And these things, each of them have got things in them that to bless the other. And you could just put a B for blessing. And each of them have made judgments on their parents. And you just put a J for judgment. And then each of them have made expectations of how life will go. And you can just put an E in each one of the, their um, silhouettes. And, um, and then they, they, um, they trigger one another. The, the judgments in each of, the, each of them is triggering the judgments in, other, in the other one. And they'll almost have something identical. And as they begin to cancel out the judgment by taking them to the cross, by going into their prayer closet and saying, Lord, how does this, what this man's doing, my daddy do it, or this wife he's given me, Lord, did my husband fly to my childhood. And they begin to deal with those bitter judgments. And so you could just erase the J and then, um, break the expectations and it would just leave something in each other to bless the other one with. And that's how, you know, God tells us to work our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is how we do this. I wish I'd have known these principles when I was married. I thought it was the turkey I was living with. And he thought that I was the turkey. In fact, he said once to me, if I'd have known the way you were, I'd never married you. And I said, well, honey, I'd marry you all over again. And he said, you would. I said, yeah, where do you think I got the material for this seminar? But not only, you know, not only dealing with him, I was dealing with my stuff. Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? And basically the outcome of it was God taught me some principles of living an overcoming life through going through what I went through uh, for 27 years. And uh, I've, been a, I've been a widow since 1997. And so... 
you know, I mean, I don't date anybody, but if I did and they tell me how they grew up, I could tell you exactly what I'd have to deal with in a marriage, not counting my own stuff. But I'm dealing with my stuff. And um, Jesus is my groom. I praise God. He's my husband. So if you have the fruit, you have the root. You have to cancel out the judgments, cancel out the expectations, where there's nothing left in Bill and Sue except things to bless the other one with. And then they deal with the generational curses, break those, break those judgments, and that's how marriage is healed. And I really believe bitterroot judgments um, are the number one thing that destroys marriages because most people don't know when they get married. Um, they think it's the turkey they're living with. And, you know, I don't approve of shacking up. In fact, God says if you shack up and you commit fornication or adultery, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you repent. But you see people that live together for years and never have a, you seem to get along perfectly. And then they turn after maybe living together 10 years, they get married and they last about two years because you see the authority sets in all of a sudden. Uh, the husband's the authority, and he is the authority in the home, and they begin to trigger one another. And a lot of times the marriages don't last. I'm not saying that's always the case, but uh, and I certainly do not recommend shacking up because you want to go to heaven. If you're shacking up and you hear this message, you need to repent because it will destroy you. And even if you're into pornography, let me tell you something. Pornography will take you down into the sewers of the world, and you will lose your salvation Plus, pornography is made by the Satanists, and they put curses on it. It's like they put hooks in you, and you try to break free of it, and you keep getting reeled back. And so there needs to be genuine genuine repentance. And so just look at your crop, and you trace the fruit to the root. Uh, when you see negative fruit, you, you know that there was a negative seed planted in your spiritual garden. Um, the Bible calls it your treasure. Because the good man out of his treasure produces good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure produces evil. But you know what? We can be born again and, and uh, produce evil. In fact, in Matthew 18, Jesus called the man who wouldn't forgive, you wicked slave. He called him wicked. So trace the fruit to the root. And uh, I'm going to pray deliverance over you. And so... If you will pray with me, and let me tell you, the greatest deliverance you can have is to be born again. Um, Jesus said you have to be born again. If you're born again, the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. And, you know, the de- the demons and the devil believes, and they tremble. So I'm not talking about a head knowledge of God. I'm talking about what's in your head has gotten down in your heart and brought about a transformed life. And it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that that's the beginning. You're still a work in progress until you leave this earth. And so uh, if, if, you, if you're not sure of your salvation, if you doubt your salvation, chances are there's a reason you're doubting it. Have you not been willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him? Because Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. And, Lord, I've accepted you with my head, um, but you said the devil and the demons believe. But, Lord, I want to be born again. Save you as my Savior. I ask your Holy Spirit to come and possess my body 
and drive out every demonic spirit in Jesus' name. Forgive me for judging others. Lord, forgive me for all the times I've let the sun go down on my anger. Father, forgive me for thinking that it's the turkey I'm living with, that my boss is the problem, that my husband's the problem, that my wife's the problem, when really, God, you're just trying to show me what I haven't forgiven my mother and father for. And I pray in the future that you will remind me that you'll fill this word to my heart. Lord, forgive me for bitter roots that have brought about bad fruit. Forgive me for setting in motion forces that have caused me to reap in kind what I've sown. Lord, forgive me for judging others, which has caused judgment to be merciless toward me. God, forgive me for um, being angry. Forgive me for losing heart, wanting to give up and quit. Uh, Let me just say this while I'm praying. If you're married right now and you think, or or even if you have a, a boss that's giving you a hard time, let me tell you something. If you don't deal with a bitter judgment, and you go and you find another mate, can I tell you, the grass is only greener over the septic tank. If you don't deal with your issues now, you take them right into the marriage. You've got the same bitter judgments that you made on your parents, and that's going to draw the same kind of person to you as you judged your parents. And so even if you had a new job and another different boss, wherever you go, your reaping follows you. And so it's better to learn to overcome in your circumstances uh, right where you're at. Lord, forgive me for not sowing righteousness. I forgive my mother and father for not training me up in the way I should go. Forgive me for all the times I let the sun go down on my anger, promising myself I would never be like my parents. I'd never marry one like my parents. Promising myself that when I... um, Get out of this house. Life's going to be different. Uh, Lord, that's all idolatry because I didn't turn to you. I turned to something else, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Lord, I break these judgments that you've shown me. Uh, Lord, um, I forgive my parents. Forgive myself. Lord, show me where life is not going well. I want to bring everything to the cross. Forgive me for that my deeds have returned to me. I forgive my boss, my mother, father, my mate. Forgive me for letting a root of bitterness take me over and defiling many. Forgive me for thinking it's someone else's sin instead of my wrong responses to her. Forgive me for fear, doubt, unbelief. Forgive me for bitterness and resentment and anger and rage, hatred. Forgive me for wishing I was dead, wishing someone else was dead. I forgive my parents, Lord, for uh, violating the word of God and training me up. God, I forgive my parents for being controlling, for being irresponsible. I forgive them, Lord, for um, not loving me, for rejecting me. I forgive them for not protecting me. I forgive them for not uh, nurturing me. I forgive them for not being faithful to each other. In Jesus' name, I forgive my parents for being unfaithful to each other. 
Excuse me. Forgive me for expecting life to go a certain way. I forgive my parents for being irresponsible. I forgive them for abandoning me, emotionally abandoning me, physically abandoning me, spiritually abandoning me, spiritually abandoning me. I forgive them for child abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, abandonment. I forgive them that I had to be the parent. (coughs) I forgive my parents for being selfish, using me. Uh, not wanting the best for me, not wanting me, rejecting me. I forgive my parents for being perverted. And, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you show me how what I'm going through at the present, how it relates to my childhood and the judgments that I made on my parents. Lord, I truly forgive my parents for what you've shown me. And, Lord, thank you for teaching me principles of the overcoming life, principles that will change my marriage, change my life. Uh, Forgive me for hopelessness and despair and depression and despondency, for thinking that there's no way. Forgive me for wanting to bail out, wanting a divorce. Forgive me for giving up quitting and losing heart. Forgive me for coming short of the grace of God and receiving a root of bitterness. Lord, I just present my body to you as a living sacrifice in Jesus' name. And pray with me in Jesus' name. I break soul ties with my mother and father and all the people that I've judged as as being the turkeys in my life. In the name of Jesus, I cut all soul ties. I call back my soul and spirit from them, send back their souls and spirits to them, exchange their image for the image of Christ in Jesus' name. Command every demonic spirit to leave that came in through bitterness. I command bitterness, resentment, anger, hostility, I command fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness, depression, despondency, hopelessness, despair. I command you to go now in Jesus' name. I command anger to go, rebellion. I command you to go. I come against the victim spirit. I come against the orphan spirit. You have to leave now in Jesus' name. I break the power of abandonment. I break the power of every spirit that of unworthiness, spirits that tell them that Nobody loves them Uh, Every lying spirit that's lied to them about God And told them that that God is just like your mother and father I break your power over them in the name of Jesus Praise you Lord Bless you Lord Just take a deep breath and blow out The word spirit means breath Praise you Lord Bless you mighty God Bless you Lord Praise you Lord Praise you Lord Thank you Give the Lord a praise Thank him for what he's done And if you need prayer, you can call in 646-595, I'm sorry, yeah, 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. And um, Abiding Life Ministries is in Lindale, Texas. You can write us at Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771. You can reach me by emailing me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. My website is jerrymcgee.com, and that's all lowercase, 
G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E. There's books and uh, things that you can order. There's a Clearing the Land book. I encourage you to order it. You can actually get deliverance uh, by going through the book. I've had people tell me that they received a mighty deliverance because I list all the Bible curses um, in there. And so you can order that online. There's books you can order online. One I especially recommend is Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or Curse? You know, a spirit of drunkenness is sweeping the church in America, and it's really a heresy, a heretical teaching. It's really the unholy spirit and not the Holy Spirit. But in this little book, it's called uh, Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or a Curse? And actually, I list all the scriptures in the Word of God uh, on drunk, drunk, and sober alert to show you that it's not, it's a false doctrine. Um, Abiding Life Ministries was founded in 1978 by my husband. And um, I'll be in Duncanville the first Saturday of each month in March, the first Saturday of March, 2000. And we're, with today's date is 2019. It's February the 19th, 2019 today. But I'll be in Duncanville. I believe it's the fourth um, Saturday of March. Let me just look on my calendar here. It's March the 2nd, 2019. I'll be at the, the Spiritual Warfare Conference in Beaumont, Texas, the 14th through the 16th. Um, 14th to the 17th at the Eleganti Hotel, and you can uh, sign up for that meeting by going to Spiritual Warfare Team online, and you can sign up online, or you can, on my website, you can um, sign up for email, and I'll send out a flyer for that. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp uh, also in March. I think it's the last weekend in March. I'm not sure. But anyway, if you'd like to go to camp, uh, it, it's the March 14. The warfare concert is the 14th through the 17th. And um, anyway, you can go. You, you can go to LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com and get information. I'm I'm at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp every holiday. We have prayer teams that pray for people each morning, and the, the prayer team is very anointed. A lot of places you go, there's a lot of flaky stuff going on, but uh, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, I don't know of a better place to get delivered uh, than there. But I'm in Duncanville the first Saturday of each month, and that's at the Hilton Garden Inn. It's there on uh, right on Interstate 20 and Main Street exit, which is exit 462. And so, um, how to say, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to be on my email list, you can sign up on my website. My son's testimony that he made uh, 13 days before he died of AIDS. You can also watch that online. And um, I appreciate those of you who give to the ministry because without your gift, it it would be hard to pay the secretary and the light bill and the things that we have. 
And so uh, I'd appreciate it if you can send us a gift. You can send it through PayPal. So the lady that sponsors this program, you can send her a gift through PayPal. It's uh, D for Dorothy, Churchy, one at hotmail.com. And I just want to thank you for listening in. I hope you'll listen again. Um, the first and third Tuesdays of each month. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he make his face shine upon you and give you even greater peace. 